The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Hope you do it all right. Plenty to get into. A lot of Matt Rule we did not get to yesterday. A lot of phone calls from you. Thanks for that interaction. Also, Nebraska players spent time with the media. And that message is... Well, trust in a word, 489-1240, 489-1240, the number to get in. You can dial us up, 800-825-5865 across the state. You can watch the show and uh, communicate with us on the stream, Hale Varsity YouTube channel, or the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. You can find Elijah on Twitter at Herbal Essence. You can find me, Chris Schmidt, at Schmidt underscore Radio. So, do you have a family member that owns a bar? Do you own a bar? We're not asking for advertising. <laughs> not yet. Uh, we're we're asking just you know the, the the life, right? You have someone who has a restaurant or a bar. It is a passion. It is stress. It is absolute hard work, but it's rewarding because it's 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 yours, right? Well, uh, the the house as they say, always wins. And I think of uh, this bar last night in Milwaukee, and this was a story going into summertime. So uh, you look back, it's Jack's American Pub. They made their announcement last month that any time Aaron Rodgers lost a game as the quarterback for the Jets, as the starting the starting quarterback right so you had you had one shot which was last night because rogers out with an achilles what four plays into his jets career it feels like so that promotion is well it's done and thanks to new york's overtime kickoff return uh, against the bills and our old boy seth big buffalo fan at lazari's the, the place was in stunned silence. They thought they were going to be taken care of. Rodgers started. The Jets were losing. And it's going to be great. I've got how many pitchers I've downed. I've got my Uber lined up for that safe ride home. And what happens? Uh, special teams strikes for the Jets and they win. Would you ever do a promotion like that as a, as a bar owner? Give away free drinks. I, I think I could see Nebraska fans' wheels turning as to, okay, if Nebraska has a turnover-free game, you get free drinks. Your drinks are half off. What are you grinning about? Do you remember whenever <laughs> uh, Budweiser, they went into the city of Cleveland? Yes. And they had those, those coolers locked up in every sports bar across the they city. Did. They did. They locked up the, uh, the coolers and said, when or if the Browns win a game this year, we'll unlock the coolers and all the beers inside. Because they, because they, they had gone over for a while, and then at some point they finally got the win. Yeah, and then you fast forward well, but, before Baker's shoulder injury, they got to the AFC title game well, against Chiefs. Yeah, and, and think about how great a promotion that is, though, of for these local bars. 
hey, everyone's going to come in and they're going to drink during the game in hopes that they get some free beer at the sure. end. And you, you wonder from the this bar in Wisconsin, their point of view, you wonder if they should the, the Bills have won yesterday or should the Bills have uh, lost yesterday? Mm-hmm. No, wait, Bills have won. Never had to pay. Didn't have to pay. Damn it. No, 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 the, no, no. If, the Bills, if, the, Bills, if the Bills would have won, they would have had to cover the bar tabs. Yes. And you wonder how much that would have been because I don't know what the food situation's like at this bar. How do you cover that? I think it's bar tab, right? Because like, that bar is packed. It was pretty full. Yeah. You had you had patrons open the tab at least 15 minutes before kickoff. Doesn't cover food. But all drinks are on the house if the former Packers Stars team ends up losing. So you had disgruntled Green Bay fan cheering when Rodgers went down because he had technically got the start. You had uh, former or anti-Rodgers fans cheering because, you know, Buffalo had a chance to win that ball game. It was the opener. And anything goes in overtime, but... Here comes Gibson with the Superman cape and probably a thank you card from uh, the, the good folks at Jack's <laughs> with that return. And you had uh, uh, CBS 58 on the scene there. And you've seen moments in sports where fan bases are stunned. The, the still photography that I look at and just marvel at, a couple of shots from Michael Jordan, where... MJ hits the winner against Cleveland in 89. And then Jordan also hits his fare-thee-well shot against Utah uh, against Byron Russell. And the the shot on one of the sports books I got for Christmas has Jordan at the free-throw line after the crossover or push-off, depending if you're talking to a Utah fan, <laughs> where he's elevating, he's following through, and there's just stunned... No, you can read it across every Utah Jazz forehead. Oh no, oh no, and it's the shot's not even down, but it's they they know it's done, and and you had that moment last night at a Milwaukee bar, the moment the putt return scores and they get <laughs> realize they gotta pay their bar tap. In, in a lot of ways, that moment captured by CBS's Milwaukee affiliate. Is, is the feeling you're carrying over with Nebraska through two games, right? You, you, you have the way you lost against Minnesota in, in the final three minutes, and while it wasn't the end of the game against Colorado, it was a final 420 in that first half where it absolutely got flipped. And how about that for irony? That, no, I know, 420. The first score of the game came at 420, 420. in Colorado. Yeah, Man, yeah. I still can't get over that. No, I, I, it's, it's apropos. You should, you, should, you as a Husker fan should have sat back and gone, oh, Colorado got their first score with four minutes and 20, 20 seconds, seconds left. left. That, that's got to be a bad omen. Yep, it's, a, it's an <laughs> awfully bad omen. Uh, between that and the, the deflected uh, catch there by Edwards, it wasn't going to be your day. But a lot, of, a lot of symmetry between Packer fan last night drinking, they thought for free, and then Husker fan that after two games you need a free drink from somebody because of, of how the season's gone. And, you know, we, we've talked to enough Nebraska fans here over the last two weeks that not many have separated two games through seven years. And, and that's just it. You have a new sheriff, you have a new mantra, you have a new mindset, and you have a new philosophy that's 
a lot like Nick Saban's, where you talk about trusting the process. And I want to get into that for a moment, the, the trust part of things. Okay, you, you have on one hand, what don't you trust? What do you trust? Here's what I trust so far about Nebraska football in the rural era. One, I think he's done a, a really good job. You look at some of the high school talent he's brought in, right? Cam Lenhart, Prince Will have done nice. I've trusted the development and the strength and conditioning. Is it fair to say and see that Nash Hutmacher and Ty Robinson look and play a little differently? I, I trust Dvorak at linebacker, another assistant he brought in, where you see a guy like Gabor, and, and Luke Reimer's always been pretty talented, but even Nick Henrich looks, to me, quicker and twitchier uh, since he's been on the field. And I know he was dinged up a little bit, but he looked more explosive to me. And then you see a guy like Bullock also that's flying around. And then you, you got Cooper in the secondary. I know I know I'm not crossed over to the offensive side of the football yet, but I'm starting with, with what I trust so far. And it's easy to say I trust the defense. And if the defense gets any help, they can continue to be as good and get better as the season goes on. I, I, I love watching that secondary. Man, Hartzog and Singleton and, of course, um, what what they are able to do and fly to the football. I like that three safety. Uh, Omar's been good. Uh, it's it's fun to watch this defense. What's not fun is watching this defense, expecting them, not even expecting, but it's it's been necessary through two games for them to be damn near perfect. They haven't been. They've not been perfect. They've gotten gouged a couple of times by a good offense last week and by a really good catch on fourth and fourth and do or die mm-hmm. by Jackson that is what's left them paying the bar tab, keeping the theme here with the Milwaukee and, and Green Bay fans having to end up paying their bar tab last night. Well, it's, it's as you say, it's the defense paying the bar tab, but it's the offense running it up. They are. And, and it's not one of those open bar, oh, it's a great, great wedding, or it's a graduation, or it's a retirement. No. <laughs> it's your buddy you go out with that has always dated the same crazy, and his heart broke, and now guess what? He lost his wallet, or forgot his wallet. That's what you're. That's what you're going through a little bit here as a Nebraska. Well, fan. it's it's the the offense lost their wallet, and you as the defense, you know, you're being a good guy. Hey, man, I got you. I got I, you this time. I know you've been going through it, and then you're looking over at the it's guy. A, it's the same story six weeks later. Man, she's great <laughs> looking. <laughs> well, well, but the, the problem is, is the offense is over there ordering doubles. They're ordering those premium drinks. Like, hey, I need me a Red Bull and vodka, and give me the goose. They're going top shelf. Yeah. And it leaves you stuck with a big old tab the other night whenever you were thinking they were going to be ordering those $3 bush lights. And then he's calling you two weeks later, dude, she dumped me again. <laughs> we need to go out. I need to talk. All, all right, amigo, let's, let's get it going. But that's where, I, that's where I'm at from a trust standpoint. We'll talk with Mitch Sherman of The Athletic coming up. Uh, I want to get into the offense a little bit in hour two, Dr. Rob Zadiska. His podcast, Doc Talk, is great. Him and Travis Justice. We love talking O-line and, and offense with Dr. Rob. So he'll be with us in less than an hour. Uh, we'll be streaming those so you can watch the show, Hail Varsity YouTube channel, and, of course, wherever you hear us on the radio. But, you know, trust is, is really a two-way street, Elijah, and you're not getting that two-way street. It's one way right now from – 
the Nebraska defense. We'll get to some of your comments right now. Uh, we have talked defense. We've laid out what we trust or like about this football team. Special teams was was damn good against Minnesota. Was not. It's not that they tackled poorly against Colorado. Punting was off against the Buffs in altitude. How does that happen? Don't know. And then the, you, you doink the field goal, but I'm not ready to, to be too worried about field goals moving forward. You'll adjust, presumably. But on offense, I mean, that's been a big question mark, not just with decision-making or holding on to the football at the quarterback spot. But if you're Satterfield, there's been a lot of grumbling about Satterfield. There was grumbling when Satterfield was hired. And I don't want to go there yet. I don't think he's had a, a, a fair two games. And what I mean by that is what he's called, and he's been pretty good with sticking to the run. I know there's some, some grumbling through eight quarters of going deep early in the fourth quarter against Minnesota, but I like that mentality. You just got to execute. We don't know if, if his game plan is awesome and he just has had zero execution. You got to have a good feel with what the guys can do and I think Monday through Thursday, I think he thinks he knows what the team can do or what some of their strengths are. But come game time, it gets back to Coach Rule and some of the guys wanting it too bad. They're squeezing it too tight. I believe that's been a part of it, and it's very evident with some of those unforced turnovers. Well, and one of the things I think I have to keep in mind whenever I'm, I'm talking about Marcus Satterfield in, in the, the beginning to the year for the offense is it hasn't been pretty. And I think one of the things that, that sticks in my craw is the fact that, that – Satterfield's job outside of being an offensive coordinator is being the quarterback's coach. And the quarterback play has not lived up to what it needs to be at Nebraska, especially in this offense. And that falls on Satterfield. But I'm not willing to say, as as Mike here says in the chat, put Satterfield on the Brian Ferentz contract. I'm not prepared to go there yet. <laughs> Look at what the offense looked like last year whenever, especially Casey Thompson didn't play. That offense was one Anemic. of the worst in the country, if not the worst in the country, whenever your starting quarterback was down. And I understand you have to take things with a grain of salt, but look how the 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 philosophy has changed with the Everyone's offense. Everyone's kind of screwed without their starting quarterback, but there's worse cases than others. Well, and then you, you think back, what did that team do well last year when Casey was healthy? They threw the ball really well. They ran the ball for damn near nothing every single game. And look how the philosophy has shifted. It's only two games into a new year with a lot of the same pieces that you had last year. You're trying to run the football more. You're finding more success there. But it's an offense that, as of right now, I think doesn't quite have an identity. We talked about that after the Minnesota game. I think you can say the same thing after the Colorado game. They're better at running the football. What run plays do they execute well? Well, I don't know. It kind of depends on a game-by-game basis. What pass plays do they call well? I don't really know. We there's don't know. Still, there's still a intermediate. There's still an identity that needs to be hammered out. And if Marcus Satterfield can't find an offensive identity as the year goes on, then you start getting a little bit worried. But it's still early on in his tenure. He's still trying to figure out what the, the pieces that he has, how they perform in games. I'm willing to give him a little bit of mm-hmm. leash, along with the entire coaching staff, uh, just in terms of this offense finding an identity. Now, say we get to Michigan, and this, this offense still doesn't know what it does well. You start having some issues, but it's only been two games. It's been two games against two, at least from what we can see right now, good Power 5 teams. This team's a lot about confidence, and they have a chance, while not taking anybody for granted, to get confident heading into Michigan. they got a chance to, to do some things, whether it be with Harburg or with Sims. We'll know later on in the week who's going to be at quarterback. But you're going to want to run the football complete some intermediate passes, figure out if you can get deep or not. Brian is someone by Brian a drink because he's a Nebraska and a Jets fan. 
And as he says in the stream, I have come to expect zero nice things anymore. The return must have been a misappropriation of goodwill from a saint somewhere. <laughs> Brian, God love you. Try being uh, a Broncos fan, huh? Huh? Yeah, at least you got Peyton there, though. Well, at least, you, at least the Jets got a win week one. Yeah, in exciting fashion. One and zero, one and zero, and and A Rod is uh, just not a one year deal. Try getting beat by fifty on Christmas Day. Mitch Sherman enlightens us next. Tale Varsity continues. We're presented by Currency. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Mitch Sherman with us from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, how's your Tuesday? Thanks for a few minutes. It's been a nice Tuesday. Some good comments from Nebraska football players in Lincoln at Memorial Stadium, and uh, we're moving through the week. We are. Northern Illinois uh, awaits under the lights Saturday at Memorial Stadium, and the message today from uh, most of the players, if not all, Mitch, that were in, at the podium was, well, trust in a word. And it seems like, uh, despite the start, they're still on board uh, in this, uh, well, this rural tenure. Yeah, and you'd expect no different. They're not going to bring players in who are disgruntled. And um, <laughs> the players are going to definitely go with the party line when they're in front of the cameras. And I, I don't have a reason to believe that that things are amiss in the Nebraska locker room. I mean, this is very early, not just in the season, but also in what is a, a rebuild, a reboot for, for Matt rule. So the, uh, yeah, the players that we heard from today are on board with what the, what the coaches are doing. You know, they're behind Jeff Sims, who's had a lot of struggles in the first two weeks and, and they're ready to, you know, ready to turn things around in this opener Saturday night against Northern Illinois. At least that's, that's certainly what we're hearing from them. Um, you know, sometimes there are other things that are happening in the context of a team, but, you know, I think this one's pretty straightforward. Mitch Sherman is with us here from The Athletic. It's Hale Varsity Radio. And Mitch, whenever you, you look ahead at the next two weeks and, and what the player's task is, do you think it matters how it looks against Northern Illinois and against Louisiana Tech? Or, or is the only thing that matters getting a win whenever you look at these two teams and where Nebraska's at sitting at 0-2? Is the, is the eye test going to be important against Northern Illinois? I guess both from the, the coaching staff's perspective and from the fan perspective. Well, I think the predominant thing is to get a win, and that comes above all else. It's to get a win this week and then get a win against Louisiana Tech next next week so you can even your record at 2-2 two and two when the Big Ten gets hot and heavy against Michigan on September 30th, and then you have to go on the road to Illinois. But that's that's down the road. Right now what's in front of Nebraska is Northern Illinois and, and a couple of non-conference games. And right, getting the win – most important thing. And, and then, yes, I, I do think how it looks is, is, has some value, some importance. Um, Nebraska could be in a position in two weeks where it's two and two and everyone is feeling much better about the situation with the team than the way they feel today uh, based on how those games look. Or I think Nebraska could be in a position at two and two in two weeks where there's a lot of hand-wringing that's still taking place, uh, in part because you know what the schedule is setting up to, uh, to look like, but also because of, of the way that these games go. So um, it's not like it's style points necessarily. I think it's more just um, boring stuff, like not having unforced errors, which we saw uh, a lot on Saturday at Colorado. Mitch, you know, what, what do you think this offense can, can – 
become. Uh, ideally, let's let's paint that identity with what their strengths may be. It's just two games. You know, it's been a lot of self-infliction by the offense with turnovers. But flip it around, say things get cleaned up and they try and ramp up. That's the goal for Michigan and beyond. Uh, what's what's going to be a strength? Uh, well, I think it's it's a convers it's a different conversation in 2023 than it is for the long term with Matt Rule. Um, but we're talking about 2023, I think here, and I think this is an offense that can be defined by its um, you know its its running game, um, the short passing game, its um, it, the, the work that it does to be a fundamentally strong group. And that we've not seen that in weeks one and two, but I think the ability is there. Uh, the players are there. The experience at a lot of positions is there. In some cases, the talent is above average. It's not through the roof. It's not Trey Palmer. Like we saw last season as a wide receiver at Nebraska. Um, but there's enough talent there for Nebraska to win games that are on this schedule. Um, and I think it's a blue collar offense. That's probably what the identity is. If they, if, if you're talking an ideal world, it's not uh, an offense that is scoring 35 or 40 points a game, but it's one that plays complementary football with its defense and allows its defense to do the things that it's all that, that Tony white and his crew have already shown. And, and, you know, that's be a disruptive unit. They have things they want to work on too. And, and, and help the offense by generating some turnovers. But um, right now, the bulk of the task in being a complementary football team is on uh, the Nebraska offense, which hasn't held up its its part of the bargain yet. Mitch, is there, dare I, dare I utter, winnable games on the schedule? When we look at the Big Ten West, we'll know more about Minnesota this weekend as they head to Chapel Hill. But can, can Nebraska still get to six based on what you see on their schedule? I know that's a tough question at 0-2. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not it's, – you, you, don't, you don't cash in the chips right now and say, all right, completely reevaluate after two games. What can, what can, what's the new goal? Because six isn't going to happen. That's, that's No, that's not where they're at at this position. I mean, they lose on Saturday. I think you can start to have that discussion. Uh, that's not a place that Nebraska wants to be. That's not a discussion that Nebraska in any way or anybody associated with the program wants to have, wants to be having uh, on, on Saturday night. So if you get this win and you get the win next week, then it's four, four wins the rest of the way to get to bowl eligibility. And sure. I think it's, it's, it's possible. Um, It's there. It's going to take a lot better play than what we saw at Colorado and at Minnesota. But this was the beginning. Haven't even been home yet. Um, let's give them a chance to get their bearings, develop some confidence, and it's always possible, um, maybe even likely, when you look at Matt Rule's track record, that this can be a better team, a different team, in October and November. It's Mitch Sherman with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. And Mitch, as it stands right now on a Tuesday who do you think trots out as Nebraska's starting quarterback on Saturday night? And that's a loaded question because we're not quite sure what the health of Jeff Sims is going to be. And yeah. I think we can assume a healthy Jeff Sims is likely going to start on Saturday. But what's the feel that you're getting as uh, we begin this week? Do you think it's going to be Jeff Sims? You know, today on Tuesday, I don't really have a feel. Mm. Um, the players the players weren't talking today about who 
took snaps at practice. I don't know that we'll even get that answer tomorrow from Marcus Satterfield on Wednesday. I think he's going to leave it to Matt Rule, who talks again to the media on Thursday morning. And by then, we'll have a sense of who it's going to be. I, I, I came out of Monday, out of the, the press conference on Monday with the head coach, thinking that there was maybe a slightly above 50% chance that you'd see Heinrich Harburg as the starter. And part of that is just based on the fact that these ankle sprains are tough. And if it's a high ankle sprain, and that's kind of, I don't think it's a bad high ankle sprain. This is, and this is paraphrasing Matt Rule yesterday. He mentioned high ankle sprain after the game Saturday. Yesterday, he didn't walk that back, but he also didn't play it up. I think a a bad high ankle sprain or even a normal high ankle sprain is something that can really set a, uh, an offensive skill player or a defensive skill player or alignment, you know, just a football player back uh, two or three weeks. And if that's the case, then I don't think they'll send Jeff Sims out there because if you take away his running ability, you take away his strength and they don't want to put him in that spot um, after, after the way the last couple of games have gone. So I don't, but after today, I don't know. Um, it's, it's, uh, I'm going to wait till Thursday um, at the latest, maybe, maybe Wednesday afternoon to get a sense from the OC on, on uh, how I feel about the way it's going to go. Fortunately, I don't have to predict it. I just have to show up and, and see who's there. Mitch, when we talk about the portal and getting, you know, a difference maker, we've, we've said the name Trey Palmer uh, in the interview mm-hmm. and, you know, first touchdown of his NFL career last Sunday for, Tampa uh, for yeah for Tampa's narrow win over Minnesota I want to flip it over to the Sims conversation and what do you think Nebraska saw in Sims i.e. rule and and Satterfield when they decided to go that route I mean we 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 know his size and athleticism but as far as what he could do for their vision on offense that's it at the beginning is just you look at him and he's six foot four he's 220 to 30 pounds He's got a, a big arm, um, unrefined, uh, his arm, but it's a big arm. And I think that they, they, they looked at it and they said, this is something that we can work with. These are tools for us to work with. And right now, they didn't know what they had to work with. There's been a lot of revisionist talk about Casey Thompson this week. But you remember when, when Matt Rule and Marcus Satterfield got uh, their feet on the ground at Nebraska – last winter and the transfer portal was open and you had to make decisions quick. They, they didn't know um, not only about Casey Thompson's health, they didn't know about his status on the team. And if he would, if he would choose to, to come back for another season. So they had to act. Um, You can't blame them for acting and looking in the portal. Now, if it doesn't work out with Jeff Sims this year, or if it continues at this rate, then you can blame them for the choice that they've made. But it's, um, you know, it was a matter of, of one, they had a little bit of familiarity mm-hmm. because Jeff Collins is a guy that Matt Rule trusted and they had coached together. And Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech coached Jeff Sims. And Rule had watched him play because he watched Collins' games. And he had heard from Collins, who believed that Jeff Sims could be somebody that helped Nebraska. So uh, if you get an opportunity to take an athlete uh, who's got a lot of tools and, and your coaches who believe in your ability to, to develop talent, then that's a good place to start. Um, you know, I think they were looking at the positives and not so much at the negatives, which were Sims' injury history, and we've now seen that crop up, and also his propensity for turnovers, which six of them through two games is not where you want to be. Mitch, do you get the feel that Nebraska thinks they have the quarterback of the future in Daniel Kalen in that 2024 recruiting class, or do you think 
Nebraska. I mean, there's been a lot of smoke about Anthony Rizak and how he's performed uh, this senior year in the past couple of weeks. Do you think Nebraska hedges their bets and, and goes after a guy like Rizak or maybe another quarterback somewhere else in the country? I don't think Nebraska is going to right, – right now, right here today, and I know Anthony Rizak, a quarterback at Omaha West Side, which is just bursting with talent, and, and you know, there's there's Power 5 prospects all over the field. And um, not only that, there's there's a couple of guys from Omaha West Side who are getting playing time as true freshmen at Nebraska this year, and Jalen Lloyd um, and the kicker Tristan Alvano. Um, so it's not a place where you want to burn bridges if you're the Nebraska program, and, and Nebraska's invited Anthony Rizak to come to – to come to Memorial Stadium on Saturday night. Um, he's looking for his first Power 5 offer. And I, I don't know as a quarterback that it's going to come from Nebraska. Maybe it will. Um, you know, the, the, they're looking at him and they want to bring him in. So I think they're interested in something with him. It could be as a preferred walk-on. It could be to bring him in as an athlete. Um, maybe Nebraska will look elsewhere um, in this recruiting class to see if there's somebody out there that they can't pass up on um, at the quarterback spot. But, I, I you know, I, I doubt that. Um, generally, the way it works today uh, is that you get one in a, in a, in a freshman class um, on scholarship, at least. And not to say that, that Daniel Kalen steps in, or I think there's, there's very little chance that he steps in and, and starts at Nebraska in 2024. But if, um, if that starting, if the 2024 starting quarterback isn't on the roster right now, um, then I think it's most likely that he's coming from the portal and not from uh, as a true freshman. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Mitch Sherman with us from the Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter is where you find him. And Mitch, what are you expecting Saturday uh, from Nebraska Northern Illinois? I do think you'll see Nebraska play better. And I probably said the same thing a week ago after Minnesota, that it was the first game and the jitters were out and um, that they were, they, they were going to be motivated to play better. And, you know, we saw it for, for one quarter and then another, another seven or eight minutes um, or maybe nine or 10 minutes uh, till about, until about five minutes left in the first half. We saw Nebraska play better, e- even while they, they put some balls on the ground. I think the home field's going to help. I think the crowd's going to be behind them. Um, I know the crowd's going to be behind them. I, I think they'll feel good uh, about um, the task in front of them playing at night. M- Memorial Stadium is a fun atmosphere. Um, I think they'll have some some energy. They won't have to worry about uh, crowd noise, which was somewhat surprisingly an issue for Nebraska last week at Colorado. Uh, but uh, it's going to be on the on the other side this week. Um, Nebraska's crowd should help it. So I, I think you'll see them play better and um, more clean football. And I, I do think you'll see a Nebraska victory. I would imagine at times it's still going to look a little disjointed. But overall, I, I, I think people are going to see a better product. Defensively, are you surprised, and we'll get you out on this, just how well the defense has performed? I'm surprised at how well they've tackled, at how aggressive they've been and how seamless some of the transition to the new scheme has appeared without playing. Well, they played a great, they played a very good offense last mm-hmm. week. And, you know, they got, they got beat, they got burned in the second half, especially in the second half at times. Um, you, know, you can't overlook the 393 passing yards that Shadur Sanders had, but Nebraska also sacked Colorado quarterbacks eight times and they shut down the run game. So there's some positives to take away from that more, much, much more positive than negative. Um, with this Tony White defense, and I'm not, I'm not completely surprised. Um, I, you know, I've I've been intrigued by the 
by Tony White, um, not just him, but the, some of the defensive coaches that he's put around him, Evan Cooper, um, uh, to start with. Um, I think he's a, an outstanding uh, young secondary coach. And, and, you know, White, as I've said, is, is, a, is, is a top defensive coordinator. So I would expect that, that they I expected that they were going to get results. Um, and uh, it, it's, uh, it's happened here in these first couple of games. Mitch, we'll catch up with you on Saturday. Thanks for a few minutes today. Okay, good to talk to you guys. Thank you. Thanks to Mitch Sherman. And uh, podcasts can always find our segments with Mitch or other guests for the entire show, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play with Hale Varsity Radio. Also, the uh, Hale Varsity YouTube channel is where you can watch all of it. Let's sneak in a little bit more. Matt Rule, we didn't... (laughs) A little more. We had like what, what time for one yesterday. One comment from the head coach. We'll have more thoughts from the players next hour. How's he handled just being a? So, yeah, uh, that was going to be a question uh, for some of the players. But let's get into that because there's a, a real possibility we'll know more probably Thursday on if it's Sims or Harburg. But uh, cut three here with Rule on that gap at quarterback. What's what's it look like? I know he's said he's confident in winning with all three quarterbacks, but where is that? Uh, where, where is that gap, and how how big is the gap? I, I just lean back on kind of what I said at the end of training camp that I felt like we could win with Chuba, and I felt like we could win with Heinrich. Um, they be, they both can run, so we can maintain some of the things that we're doing quarterback run wise. You know, I think some of the plays we've called. I think quarterback draws, and you know maybe they've been seen as like a scramble, but we've called some quarterback draws that those guys can execute at a high level. So um, I think both those guys can run the offense. Obviously, right now with where we're at right now, the offense isn't doing what we want it to do in general. So um, you know I think all of us, you know, as a team, have to we have to be better on offense to have a chance to win games. Um, but I have a lot of confidence in both those guys, and I think they both bring unique skill sets to the table. So you're going to be a run-first offense, Elijah. That puts pressure on the offensive line. You need the running backs to be dynamic and talented. And then if you get the opportunity for some play action, hit it. But Nebraska's intermediate passing game has been pretty good. Uh, that that 0-10 to 10 yard window has been all right. It's been the big play or the over-the-top play that's been lacking. You've had some some more impressive gains by camp 17 to 20 yards uh kind of beyond that that second level that you saw more of against colorado you just don't quite have the picture of uh say it is harburg on saturday what's he look like throwing the ball a little bit of a confidence booster though for him to to get in and find uh, a way to get the ball to fanoni in the end zone so a little bit more from rule let's talk and hear about expectations moving forward not just for the team Cut seven, but also what looms ahead Saturday. This this is kind of this is kind of what you get when you hire me. You know what I'm saying? Like this is what you kind of get. Like um, it's not going to be a quick fix. It's not going to be overnight. It's going to be, we believe, um, built to last. It's going to be built on rock. Um, and so we we take advantage of these we take advantage of these painful painful moments. We sit there and want to say to our our goal right now is to say to ourselves as a coaching staff in three years. We did our best coaching these weeks. So um, I understand the, if there's frustration. I understand if there's like, man, why, you know, but um, we're trying to learn how to win. 
know what I'm saying? <laughs> trying to learn how to win. And and that's everything. So obviously, can you turn the ball over four times and win? No, I uh, got that, right? But like, why are we turning the ball over? Like, why? Like, I take accountability to the guys. I, I, did, I did a poor job last week of preparing for the crowd noise. I didn't do a good enough job. And um, that's not an excuse. That's me, honestly. I hate when coaches get up here and say it's on me. I honestly did not do a good enough job. Like, because why? Because the, we were going on silent and we fumbled the ball twice, right? But, but why aren't we just diving on the ball? Because, because the guys want to win so badly. So we want to win so badly, but we're just not doing the little things it takes to win. But at the same time, it's 13-7 with six minutes left. I'm going to keep saying that. Like, that can't happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, that can't happen that it becomes 36. We're just trying to attack it all throughout the program that everybody sees it. We can't punt the ball 25 yards. We can't, like, all these little things come together. But if program-wide, if everybody takes accountability, blocks out the noise, and everyone tries to handle these little things, when it all does come together, because I think we're playing pretty good defense at times, and we're, we're, we're still we're running the ball okay. If, we, if it all comes together, it'll, it'll be, I think it'll be pretty hard to deal with, right? Because we'll be running the ball for about 250 a game. We'll be protecting the football. Good on special teams, good on defense. So that's, that's the plan. It's just not all together yet. So that, that plan is well thought out. It sounds great. You just want it accelerated if you're a Nebraska fan. And again, there's the to be continued that's much of the same. A lot of this is look, right, mm-hmm. Elijah? It's, it's one thing to, to lose, but how are they losing? And I think Saturday is important to. Take a deep breath if you're in Nebraska. Continue to go out and do what you think you can do on offense. Lean on that defense. Get better special teams play. And find a way to win. Find a way to cover. I mean, if you well, seriously, if you win by double digits against Northern Illinois, who's not a great football team but can be scary, according to Matt Rule, then you're on the board. You're on the board, and then you got Law Tech coming in. You have a chance to get on the board again. And who knows how those moments where you're worried about is the guy going to get blocked and maybe I'm going to run before I get the snap oops here's a fumble on third down as I'm on the doorstep of scoring something maybe it just flips around and that's what this team needs we'll wind down this first hour Hail Varsity continues presented by Currency and now and now back to Hail Varsity Radio Thanks for hanging out. It's Hale Varsity Radio on a Tuesday, presented by Currency, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, YouTube channel, Hale Varsity YouTube, the Twitter feed with with Hale Varsity Radio at HVarsity Radio. can watch the show both ways. Reminder about your friends at Dyer Law, personal injury. If you've had an accident, been hurt, you can trust on the team at Dyer Law to provide you with the helping hand you need, no matter what you're dealing with. Call Dyer Law today at 402-393-7529 or visit Dyer.Law to chat with a trusted professional about your personal injury claim. That's Dyer.Law, Dyer.Law, and that phone number again with Dyer Law at 402-393-7529. We'll uh, get Dr. Rob Zadiska, the uh, Husker offensive lineman, part of the pipeline. He has a story I'm going to ask him about when it comes to the topic of disrespect and motivation. It's been a hot topic with Dion here the last 48 hours. I did see a good tweet from um, 
folks about Jay Norvell, how he just got up and got up this morning and poured himself a cup of coffee. That is good. But I mean, I'm not sure if, if Dion heard it, but I think Matt Rule might have taken him another shot at him based on what we heard in that last little statement where he said, you know what, you brought me here. It's going to take a process, but we're building our foundation on rock, you mm-hmm. know? That's, that could be seen as a shot at Dion there's a Sanders. Bible story that has to do with that, that, that is the reference point. So but I don't know. I don't know. Based on how Colorado's been treating things, I think that's a shot at Coach Prime. I, I did not get to read the transcript of, of Coach Bielema, but he had some opinion on the fact that Big Noon is ditching Illinois Penn State for another weekend in Boulder. <laughs> Hey, they, they are must-see TV. How, yeah. how cool is that? That Well, it would have been a lot cooler if you're a Nebraska fan if the result would have been closer. But the Colorado-Nebraska game drew 8 million-plus right there with just shy of Bama, Texas. And that that's something to behold. That's really cool. Uh, we're talking a lot about offensive plan. What's the direction for Nebraska? What can you do with the backup? What can you do with Sims? And uh, Colin chimes in. He has family in South Carolina. And South Carolina's offense was terrible till the last three games when Beamer took over play calling. Players didn't like Satterfield and turned on him there. At least that's what the family uh, from Colin says down in South Carolina. Uh, Matt chimes in. <laughs> and is rule fixing Sims like uh, trying to change lead to gold? Is ruling an alchemist? Uh, well... Don't know. There's upside and talent there, which is why you go get the guy. What is doable on offense, and what can you reasonably expect? Tom Fernelli had a good article with uh, CBS Sports, college football writer, and he has the oopsie-daisy ratio. And what that is is how many times did your quarterback fumble and how many times does your quarterback throw an interception? It's not lost fumbles. It's just total fumbles. Because if you fumble during a drive, percentages say that you're going to end up punting if you don't lose the fumble. It's a negative play that kind of derails your drive. And through Georgia Tech, through 1,455 snaps at Georgia Tech with Sims, his oopsie-daisy rate, that's either an interception or a fumble, was at 3%. Right wow. now... Through 103 snaps, Sims leading college football with the oopsie-daisy rate of 7.7%. Hour two on the way. Dr. Rob Zadis can talk Husker football next on Hale Varsity. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Back to it at Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Excited to have the good doctor back with us, Dr. Rob Zadiska. Doc Talk Sports, get his podcast downloaded at Doc Talk Sports on Twitter. Him and Travis Justice do an amazing job. Dr. Rob, you're awesome, man. Thanks for jumping on with us here in Hour 2. Are you hunkered down? Is that your little... 
<laughs> is it your Husker Den? Is it your workshop? Give give the folks watching on Hale Varsity YouTube the uh, the locale. <laughs> this is like my uh, basically it's my basement bar. So <laughs> 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 kind of come here. It's a good setup. So I got we got a little Husker stuff in the back. I, I so. see the the pipeline picture. I love it. Uh, we, you know, bar room and bar tabs have been a theme since the first hour, specifically if you're a Packer fan and you went out to that bar in Milwaukee and you thought things were going to be great until the, the Jets won in overtime. I want to ask you, was there an, an exorbitant bar tab ran up that either you had to pay as a rookie in the NFL or you you and the, the pipeline maybe ran up after a big win? Boy, you know what? We didn't... Uh... You know, that was one of the great things about being part of the Giants organization is that they, they I don't want to say they, they protected the rookies, but it, it was basically <laughs> no haze. It was kind of this no haze type environment there. And so everybody was kind of all on the same, I mean, I guess I'd say same playing field. So sure. you, you actually didn't have to do that. So it was kind of nice. But nothing with Nebraska. You and you and the, the crew didn't go out after a big win and run one up. Oh, we kept it reasonable. How's okay, that? that's fine. I that, that's 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 a very good take. It was reasonable. That, no, that like means it. they hit a proper pregame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. You were over at someone's house beforehand. I like Wait, it. Now, are you talking back when I was playing? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, I'm when you were playing. Right now, we're all mature and grown up. Where we we have a, a speed limit, I would think. <laughs> Not well, you know, you, you would think, you would think. <laughs> Rob, let's let's get into Nebraska and what uh, you see with this offense. It's been a discussion point. We don't know what quarterback is going to look like on Saturday. We know what quarterback has looked like so far. There's been some good, but there's been some some tough decisions and just quite honestly, fundamentals not followed through on. Where are you at, man? Are you panicked? Do you see things playing out okay for this offense as they progress? What's your temperature like? I, you know, I'm I'm still kind of in sort of this wait and see mode, and I, and I guess I say that for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think Minnesota and Colorado actually have some have a very good defense. I know Colorado did show that in the TCU game. I saw some things out of their defense. I was actually kind of impressed with. Um, they've got some very good athletes on that defense, and I think they're going it, to. It, it's not the. It, it's not this NBA type defense mm. that you saw versus versus TCU in in that first week. They're better than what they showed in that TCU game. Um, so I, I think Nebraska is going to have its chances on offense as the season moves along. I, I guess when you look at the quarterback position, am I worried? Yeah, am. At the same time, too, it depends on what your perspective is. And I went into this season looking at it from the the standpoint of when you looked at what Rule did at Temple, what he did at Baylor. That first year was a one and ten or one and eleven, two and ten kind of season, both places. 
they he had bad first years both places and there's a lot of things that play into that and it's easy to put all of the blame on sims and, and he does shoulder a lot of that blame don't get me wrong here i mean the turnovers have been just disastrous for nebraska but you, you take away any two turnovers versus minnesota and nebraska wins that game uh and we're sitting at the one and one we thought we let me refresh i shouldn't say what we thought we'd be at We'd be sitting at the one and one. I think most Nebraska fans hoped sure. we would be at at this point, as opposed to zero and two. Now, that being said, I've seen some good things out of Sims when he does get the ball off quickly. When he doesn't have to go through a, a, a progression, when he's not under pressure, he makes good throws. His balls that that ball's accurate. I mean, he's getting it on the mark. He's got a very powerful arm. The guy can sling it. The problem gets into any time you ask him to run through reads, run through progressions, and maybe have to thread the needle a little bit on a pass. That's where things get really dicey. Uh, the other thing is is that he does bring – I mean, the guy's a potent runner. I, I mean, the the guy can run the ball – and I don't know if I've seen a quarterback run that well since maybe Jamal Lord. Sure. Right? So he's a guy that can definitely cause some damage from that standpoint. They just got to tell him he needs to pull the trigger and take off more off. I, I mean, if it's a pass that looks like he's going to have to move past that first read, if that first guy's not open, take off, get a couple of yards, Live, live to fight another day. The, the turnovers have been too damaging at this point to let him take that risk anymore in my book. I mean, the other option is, is give Harburg a shot, give Chubb a shot. But I'd say let's put Harburg in there and just, you know, can he at least be a game manager? Mm -hmm. I, I think Harburg can run the ball. I mean, I've seen flashes of that where he's looked really good before let's give him a shot. Let's see what he can do. He's not going to be as good a runner as Sims, and that's probably why Sims has been the starter thus far. Mm -hmm. But if he can at least be a more effective game manager, let's see if he can't do that for a game. It's Dr. Rob Zadiska with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Dr. Rob, with all that in mind, what is your concern level for this offense moving forward the final 10 games of this season? And I think you have to put it in perspective. The expectations coming into the year were a bowl game, six wins. And with that in mind, what is your concern with what you've seen well, from the offensive side of the ball through well, two games? Okay, again, I mean, let's, let's be clear here. The hope with six wins in a bowl game, the expectation – I mean, man, it really depends on who you talk to. I kept going back to – it's easy to look at that first year at Baylor and say, hey, they that offseason prior to Rule coming in, they cleaned house after a sex scandal there, mm -hmm. and he had nothing to work with. I understand the 1-11 first year at Baylor. But if you go back and <laughs> – excuse me, if you go back and look at Temple – it's not like Temple was coming off of this wholesale house cleaning of a program like Baylor was. And, and he had a pretty atrocious first year at Baylor, too. And it's just he's bringing in a bunch of young guys. It's a developmental thing. It's a new system. Um, you don't necessarily have all of that buy-in yet. You don't necessarily have that whole system in place. And so to sit here and look at it 
and say, oh, my God, we thought we were getting six wins. Let's hit the panic button. My, my panic button is going to get hit game four, game five, game six. Next year, if we're 0-4, 0-5, 0-6, mm-hmm. that's where I hit the panic button and go, okay, now I'm starting to worry about Matt Rule. Is this a guy that's going to be able to turn this around at all? Been, uh, every place he's been outside of the NFL, that first year has been pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I had a lot of expectations myself tempered by that. Um, it, it, my expectations for the offense, it's, my hope would be is that they can get whoever is at quarterback to move into a little bit of that game manager role. That Even if you're, it, it's third down and you think the game's on the line, sometimes you just got to take it and, and like take a knee and maybe hope Alvano can drill a field goal or uh, – you go for it on fourth down. You've got to be able to not hit that panic button on second or third down and try to force it and risk that turnover. That that can't be a risk the quarterbacks take anymore. My hope is that they can get to that point. Rob Zadik is with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. Of course, uh, Rob Zadisk and Travis Justice, the Doc Talk podcast at uh, Doc Talk uh, Sports is where you find him on Twitter. So, Dr. Rob, offensive line here, got uh, some some mixed reviews on the line. Nebraska's ran the ball okay. Uh, the, the turnovers, again, is the story. Uh, you've mentioned some of the pressures. Give me a grade through two games on the O-line. And, and what's their – what do you think their ceiling could be? What could they grade out as that, that may be – Teddy coming back at some point at left tackle, maybe looking at that left side of the line. What do you see? What do you think so far? I'm kind of feeling like a C grade right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been very okay. Um, bright spot, I think, has been Ben Scott at center. I think he's actually been been a pretty steady presence there at the center position. And so that was nice to see, especially when you got a guy who's come in and hasn't played with these guys before. Um you know, I, I said this all off season. A lot of this is going to hinge on having a healthy Teddy Prohaska at left tackle. Mm-hmm. He he changes the whole dynamic of that line because all of a sudden you got somebody who can lock down that left side of the line, can take on some very good pass rushers, and you can you can put a chip guy somewhere else. The running back can be looking over there to go help out Ben Hart. You can put a tight end over by Ben Hart. All of a sudden, you don't necessarily need an extra guy helping Corcoran out there at left tackle. And so that that changes a lot. I I mean, for this offensive line, in my opinion, to get a higher grade, you got to have Teddy in there. Otherwise, there's just some built-in deficiencies I'm not sure they're going to be able to overcome and I don't say that in the sense of of kind of dogging uh, on Donnie as a coach I say that more just in terms of the guys we have to work with Corcoran's and I I think he's at best an offensive guard he's not a left tackle Um, Ben Hart has he he's I will say this Ben Hart's improved a lot on occasion, he still lets guys get into his chest. He still gives up that bull rush. 
And that's something he's going to have to overcome. Um, there's some technique things I'm seeing from, from Newelli and Ethan Piper. And those are things that I think just when it comes, especially with pass blocking, we're just going to have to be kind of a, I, I hope that comes with time as they get a couple more weeks into the season here and get a little bit more confidence under their belt. Uh, the run blocking has been reasonable. It hasn't been great, but it's been reasonable. And that's something that I hope they continue to improve upon. What about the uh, the run blocking from the tight ends? That's something that Schmidt and I were discussing up in the press box on Saturday. <laughs> that it, it seemed hits, it seems like it's been hit or miss so far this year. They either they either planted him or got blown up in the backfield. Yeah, and I again, that's something that I think the, the getting blown up in the backfield thing. I think a lot of that is almost sort of a timing thing with mm. the offense, where you're you're trying to time some of these blocks. As you're coming off the line, as you're looking at what the defense is throwing at you in terms of some of these guys that are coming up to try and make these plays, um, it has been hit or miss. I'm not sure. I, I know which plays you guys are talking about where you talk about where these guys get blown up in the backfield. Um and I, I'm not sure I put all the blame on the, on the tight ends in that one. Some of it, I, I worry, is a little bit of a play design thing that mm-hmm. you're seeing some uh, you're seeing some plays that just take a while. Against some of these defenses, you you got to know that hey, some of these defenses you're not going to have the time to allow these plays to develop in the backfield. You, these you got to hit a lot quicker with them, and, and if it's some of these tosses some of these power plays, these option-type plays, you're going to have to get rid of the ball a lot quicker, get it into the running back's hands. And you can't you can't have some of these uh, more traditional plays that where the running back's getting the ball five to seven yards deep in the backfield because at, at that point, it, somebody from the defense is going to be across the line of scrimmage and it's going to blow it up. So it's. I think you need a little bit. There needs to be some adjustment to the play calling. There needs some be adjustment to the play design, just because if you've got some of these plays that are a little slower developing, if you're playing against a team that has good speed like Colorado, if you're playing against a team that has a solid defense like Minnesota, those plays aren't going to work. Dr. Rob Zadisk is with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Doc Talk Sports. Dr. Rob, I got to talk Colorado with you on the other side. A couple more minutes. Uh, we're up against a hard break. Do you have uh, time? Can you crack a beer behind you and, and, and wait out this commercial with us? <laughs> I'm grabbing a workout after this. I'm sticking with straight water. Uh-huh, uh, water. I love the water call. Uh-huh. <laughs> or vodka. <one laughs> <of them. laughs> That's right. It's, it's clear. Correctly. It's clear is what he's telling you. So a couple more minutes with Dr. Rob Zadiska uh, with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Dr. Rob, a little quick timeout. Get a, get a quick bench in uh, in three minutes. One of those circuit things, right, I hear. And we'll have a couple more thoughts from Dr. Rob. Hale Varsity with you on a Tuesday. You can always watch the show uh, and uh, catch us on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play for the podcast. More Dr. Rob Zadiska next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. 
Back with you, Tail Varsity, presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Dr. Rob Zadiska with us here. Husker, great part of the pipeline. He is delaying a workout to spend a couple more minutes with us in segment two. Dr. Rob is in his Husker den by his Husker bar. If you're watching the show, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, uh, he has that pipeline picture uh, behind his left shoulder. Where'd you guys shoot that? That photo shot? Uh, that, that that photo shoot? Where oh, was my it? gosh. Uh, big uh, commercial concrete and... I guess you'd call it plumbing's not the right word, mm-hmm. but big, big concrete utility place in, in north side of Lincoln off Cornhusker Highway. That's, so by, I don't by remember us. the name of it. Well, okay. no, 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 good for you, Rob. You just got to say, hey, they don't pay me advertising dollars, so no I'm not going to mention outs. the name. No free shout outs. <laughs> don't say I don't remember. Well, I don't even know if they're anymore. <laughs> well, I had I had to ask. It's a, it's a good shot. So, Rob. Dion has played. I think his 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 full deck is the disrespect card, and he played that. And I loved how Rule responded. But you were pretty keen on motivation yourself, correct? Before the Colorado game with bolt cutters, can you tell that story? Yeah. Well, the I mean, the basic story was. I mean, I I, I told the guys on the offensive line that the day night before the game. There's a TV crew out at the Lincoln Airport when Colorado arrived. That their their star defensive tackle Shannon Claver Shannon Clavel and Darius Holland got off the plane carrying like a big old set of commercial pipe cutters to kind of signify they were going to cut the pipeline. And <laughs> apparently, everybody believed me for about <laughs> 20 years. So the. Uh, I got to be honest. I didn't think it'd work at the time, but it did. So I, and I don't know how much, how much it actually made a difference in terms of our performance in the game that you're going into that '94 Colorado game. I, I think we were going to stomp them anyway. It was. I think that was already predetermined. But a little extra motivation or button pushing didn't hurt anybody. With the, uh, the hey, every the, little bit helps. The pipe cutters, and you look at Dion though. I mean, this is some of this is straight up imagined. It feels like with uh, th- this painting uh, of, of of the disrespect. It's personal. It's for Nebraska fans. It's no good ever to lose to Colorado, and it's no good to be in it for a while and then have the the levy break. But what's your take on on the world of college football that Dion lives in? Um, I mean, he's, you know, one of the, Travis Justice had a great line. He said he's a disruptor. Sure, that's fair. And I kind of like that. I mean, you got a guy who's coming in, he's doing things completely different than what almost anybody else does. He's got a different attitude about it. Um, It seems like his players love him. I mean, there's... There's a group of players. I mean, there's some people that's not going to work with. There's some people that it's going to work great with. And for the people that it works great with, those those recruits are going to flock to them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, but he's, he's a good coach. And it's worked in the past and it's continuing to work at Colorado. I, w- one of the things that I think people really underestimated was the job that Dion did at Jackson State. I think a lot of people looked at that and thought, well, you know what? It's an SCS school. Um, it's an HBCU. It's, I mean, is this, is this a place that really his coaching ability, when you look at what he did, there is going to translate to a power five, 
Pac-12, Big 12 school. And obviously, to, to a fair degree, it has thus far. Um, but, I mean, I, I, I'm one of those people I look at in the college football world. Whatever level you're at, if, you're, if you look at what Dion did at Jackson State, that was impressive. I, I mean, the COVID season, he went four and three, and I think one of the wins was technically a forfeit win. But he basically went 500 in that weird spring FCS COVID season. And then he went 11 and two and 12 and one the next two years. That's impressive. That, that, I don't care where you're at. To have the ability to do that is pretty impressive. And so the coaching abilities there, I think a lot of people are trying to look at this as a, well, Scott Frost had a great year at, at Central Florida and then came to Nebraska and tanked. Why didn't that happen with Dion? That's apples and oranges. It's mm-hmm. different situations. It's different people. It's different styles trying to, cookie cutter situations and put them all into the same category. It just, it doesn't work that way. Um, I, I don't think Frost had enough of a track record to really judge how good he was or wasn't as a head coach. I think Dion had a little bit of a track record and what he did at, at Jackson state. And then following that up the following year was very impressive. Now, Am I also saying that Dion's going to go ten and two, eleven and two, twelve and one, whatever at Colorado this year? No, and I think Nebraska exposed some things. I I'd like to think Nebraska has a really good defense, but for the better part of two and a half quarters, Nebraska's defense completely shut down Colorado's offense. They, I mean. What is it? They're leading the nation in sacks, and what they sacked Shadur what five times in that game? Eight, eight total, eight sacks, eleven TFLs. So Tony White's been incredible. Yeah. It's been a fun defense. Yeah, to watch. I mean that's that's been a pretty that's an impressive performance. Now, here's the other thing: Are you telling me that Nebraska's defense is truly that good? And I tell you, well, I think they're pretty good. <laughs> I don't think they're top five defense in the nation. Now, if the season ends and Nebraska's defense ends up being a top five national defense, great, and I'll eat those words. I don't think they are. I think they're vastly improved. I think they're well coached, and I think they're playing very good football right now. Um, but I think they. But I think part of the thing is, is they exposed some things with Colorado's offense that other teams are going to start to exploit. And that's something that I think with Nebraska's defense, you can look at the final score, you know, mid third quarter on they're living on the field. The offense has the turnovers. Those guys aren't getting a break. They're having to play cleanup sooner or later. You get gassed. I mean, the one thing with Nebraska's defense, it doesn't have a huge amount of experience depth right now. It's got some depth, but it's not good seasoned experience depth. And if you get in the situation that that defense was in versus Colorado in the kind of mid-third quarter going into the fourth quarter, at some point those guys are getting gassed and you just you run out of steam. And so I don't really blame them for the final score. But again, you can't tell me that Colorado's 
is going to be this 11 and one season when Nebraska's defense did to them for the better part of the game what they did in fact do. Dr. Rob, we'll get you out on this Saturday. How you feeling? You think Nebraska bounces back or you got some fear there for Northern Illinois? No, I, I think Nebraska bounces back. This this isn't the Northern Illinois team we saw a couple of years ago that opened the season going down to Georgia Tech and knocking off Georgia Tech in Atlanta and then uh, winning a, winning that uh, MAC title. I mean, it's it, it's this team's a little depleted. I mean, God bless him, Rocky Lombardi's not going to. He he's not a game changer at quarterback. I mean, yeah. we saw that at Michigan State. He's it's this is a team that's they've had some losses to graduation in the NFL here over the last couple of seasons, and they had the win over Boston College. That's Boston College is horrible this year. That is not a good football team. You got beat by who was it? Southern Illinois. The, the, the rivalry Sooners? game. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going back to the the old, uh, the whole Missouri Valley with Creighton <laughs> here. But um, that that's one of those things where it's like, man, you're losing to Southern Illinois. Uh, that 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 that's a tough loss for for northern for Northern Illinois to take. So I just I I don't think this is the same Northern Illinois team that came into Lincoln and knocked off Nebraska when Mike Riley was the coach a few years back. It's it, it's a little bit of a different animal. And, and I have seen enough good things out of Nebraska on defense especially, but I've seen enough good things on offense. I think Nebraska's offense is good enough. Um, I mean, it was – I hate the coulda, woulda, shoulda. They should have beat Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And that was with a that was with this offense. They can beat Northern Illinois with this offense. Yeah, and Dr. Rob, if you remember back to that game against Northern Illinois, Nebraska had the ball first drive of the game, second and three from the three-yard line, and what is it? It's Tanner Lee pick six. I don't think Nebraska throws the ball in that situation this time around. But I guess Place we'll will revolt if they're throwing on second and goal from the three. But, but Dr. Rob, saying Nebraska <laughs> does get it done on Saturday, I asked this question to Mitch last hour. I want to get your thoughts on this as well. Does it matter how it looks for Nebraska in a win to, to go build some confidence and, and get some things going, or is the win the only thing that matters? I mean, I'd like it to not be like the win Nebraska had last year against North Dakota. Granted, North Dakota is a really good FCS program, but but you, you, you'd hope it doesn't look like that. You, it doesn't have to look amazing. It doesn't have to be a 49-10 to 10 blowout. But you want the win to at least be solid. You want you want to see some things that you can build on. You want to see Jeff Sims go into a little bit of this game manager mode where, hey, he can either chuck it into triple coverage or he can just run it for one or two yards and let the punt team take over after that. that that's a viable option, and that's one that he's going to have to get it into his head as something he's going to have to be, he's going to have to do here. Doctor Rob, go get the workout in. You're awesome. This was fun to chat for a couple of segments. Uh, Rob Zadiska, Husker Hall of Famer, part of the Pipeline Doc Talk Sports, his podcast. Thanks again. We'll bump into you soon. How's that sound? Absolutely. You guys have a great rest of the evening. Appreciate you. There he is, Doctor Rob Zadiska, part of the Husker Pipeline from his bar. 
down in the Zadiska household. God love him. That was fun to, to get his perspective and take, not only on the O-line, but just where Nebraska's at. We'll hear from some of the players today. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming up next segment, more of your comments. A lot of you chiming in here and, on the stream. And one thing we for just I just realized, as, as I saw him go, we forgot to ask him what beer he's going to be drinking for Husker Volleyball tonight. I think he'll probably do. He's a fairy nectar guy. Yeah, of course. Uh, he's absolutely uh, a fairy nectar guy. Uh, Brett emails in the key to win the rest of the games are to score at least one more point than the other team. Brett has already dove into the fairy nectar with that incredible analysis. I love it. That's that's second to none. It is. Chris at AleVarsity.com is where you can keep the emails coming. Uh, more folks talking about what this season will be or can become. We'll get there more from the players. Hale Varsity continues, presented by Currency. Hale Varsity Radio is live. Now, back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak? When I point you, yeah. On Hale Varsity Radio. Big thanks to Dr. Rob Zadiska. Todd's pissed I'm still talking Colorado. But when you get a former Husker of his ilk on, you want to hear so far through the season on the O-line and uh, what Saturday can look like. Todd's not happy as well. I'm paraphrasing the email because I struggle reading and I struggle reading his emails. But he's uh, a little frustrated, putting it kindly and nicely, that uh, the head coach is still getting millions to struggle year one. Let's get into a couple last comments from Rule before some of the players and offensive flow. Right, Elijah? And Dr. Rob touched on that. You've hit on it as well. Just the the development size of where things go offensively and how it takes a while for things to get downhill. There's it's it's slow developing. And that's something to look at. Does Nebraska try and go a little bit more tempo and and not Colorado tempo, but you know what? I think Nebraska could do some things out of that pistol in the zone read game. Find some way to uh, to get rhythm but here is coach rule from yesterday flow on offense part one as uh, that's going to be key for nebraska to, to do way more than they've been doing offensively and help that defense out i can't remember if it was four or six plays of over 20 yards now one happened at the end but still like i mean we're, we're gonna play you know um i i think when i look at it okay because um we're just not in sync offensively and i 100 blame myself because we're really good on defense and we're really chaotic on defense. And I think I, if I would have planned this out better in my brain, I think our, our offense just never quite gotten rhythm in camp because they're always kind of reacting to this, the blitz. I mean, we had eight sacks and could have had 12 or 13 versus a really good offense. Like, so I think we kind of became very reactive in camp and we didn't start off with an FCS school to get our rhythm, right? We started off with Minnesota, a top 10 defense. And then we went to Colorado and played in that. So, so we're just trying to find some rhythm. So I don't know if I'm answering your question other than it's not just the turnovers. We're not playing well enough the way that we want on offense. But I saw some flashes. I saw Billy make some plays, you know, and I came out of it like, hey, we got to get the ball in Billy's hands more. I think you see, I mean, we take the ball the first drive and everything's not perfect and we still down in field goal range. We take the ball, we answer the call, we take it 64 yards down, they're even on the 32-yard line, it's third and five, or 35, whatever it was. It's third and five, two downs, and then the ball hits the ground. So it's, it's about the turnovers, but it's also about just the overall flow and execution and getting in rhythm. 
Last thought from Rule on that, getting in rhythm offensively, uh, that'll be key. And Elijah, you've touched on it before, but you, you absolutely get out of rhythm and you get tight, uh, super tight on offense well, especially when, you, when, you, when you fumble the football. They go, oh, no, you dodged a bullet, but you're just your, your, your mind and body go to a different place. Especially when you don't have something you can use to get yourself back into rhythms, a bread and butter that you can turn to that you know, hey, on, on first and 15, whenever we need five yards to get ourselves back to a reasonable down and distance, we know we have something we can go to that's going to pick us up five yards. Mm-hmm. Those rhythm-type plays that you know, hey, whenever we really need to get this offense back in rhythm, we can go to it. What is that for Nebraska right now? I mean, you could argue the same thing that Nebraska didn't have that last year. Either. They haven't had it since... I don't know. When, when's the last? Probably a mirror. <laughs> okay. I think uh, that that first year under Frost with the Zigbo, you had some rushing concepts, especially whenever you had the threat of the quarterback kind of the press run. to the press to the outside and then busted up. up. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you had that play you could turn to that that as the year went on, kind of became your bread and butter that you could turn to against Minnesota. They ran that against Illinois, against Wisconsin that year. You started getting into that rhythm. But that's probably the last time I, I think you can go back to that. Nebraska had that bread and butter type offensive play that. Hey, whenever, whenever things are going wrong, we just know we can execute this play. It's what we do better than anything else. The bread and butter the last five years has been the quarterback draw. That's I'm not kidding. True. I mean, that's, that's what's worked well. Uh, last thought here from Rule on Rhythm. When I say, when I say this is what you get when you hire me, not, not to go on two, hopefully, what I mean by is I don't, I'm not going to change. I'm gonna, we're we're going to double down on our process. We're going to double down on what we're doing. We're not going to just be like, oh, maybe we should do this. Like, it's working in some areas. Some other areas, it's slow. We're just going to keep staying with it. So, I don't know if I'm answering your question, Sam. Is that I mean, I think we should have had. I think we could have had some more plays. But you got to stay on the field, right? You got to stay. You got to get some points. And I think the once that happens, we'll get a little more confidence on offense. And I think you'll see the guys playing with a little more swagger. I, I don't want to talk too long, but I do want to say this. I like along with Billy. I thought we saw like we saw Fedoni start to be a, a factor in the past game we start you know so I think we're seeing some guys kind of step up and um, I just have to do a good job as the head coach of just pushing the guys through till we get to the other side of this so Chris chimes in and it gets into the coaching and that's that's been a complaint through two games and sorry to say this but Nebraska's way off uh, the back if you watch other games Texas a&M, Miami, Washington State, Wisconsin, you can easily see the gap at Nebraska in coaching and ability. That's – what do you think, man? It's tough to differentiate. I assume by ability he means – Just talent. Talent on the field. Yeah. It's, a lot of times it's tough to differentiate between what is poor coaching and what is poor, poor execution, talent, poor talent. Or, right. I mean, that's all, that three, all three ingredients got to be better than that C grade. Right mm-hmm. to, to to make it work, and it's hard for me to say two games into the year that you know what this is this is a coaching issue, not a talent issue. Or this is a talent issue, not a coaching issue. I think that'll play itself out as the year goes on. Because last year, the beginning of the year, I don't think as many people were blaming Whipple for the offensive failures as they were by the end of the year. Beginning of the year last year was well, there's not enough talent offensively. You can't run the football. Your offensive line isn't good enough. As the year goes on, you get to the end of the year, you go. All right, we have a backup quarterback in there, and Whipple's still calling these play calls that aren't working. Well, why is he not schemed up an offense that seems to work for the talent that you have on the field? So it's so hard for me to say early in the year or at to, least to match the skill set, finger, right? To specifically put a finger on the coaching and say, yeah, the coaching's lagging behind at Nebraska. To put a finger on the talent and say, well, that's not there yet. Well, and honestly, on offense, it isn't. I mean, I think your home run threat is your quarterback that fumbles, and I think your other home run threats, the running back that fumbled, 
against Minnesota. Mm. I think you've got a guy in Fedoni you can work with. I think he could be really nice. I think Kemp's a nice option. Is he Trey Palmer? No. But you flip it around to the other side of the ball as a unit. I think they're ranked top 40 is what we, at least the the, the, the notes we have in the stream. I think defensively, they've identified some guys. They've identified correctly who they want, and then they've identified some guys that can sub in and perform with some specific roles, and they're hitting well right there. They just need some help. The, the two critiques I have offensively, which I still can't necessarily pin on coaching because you have a decision-maker at quarterback that has shown this year that – he hasn't other quite than, made other the best than going decisions. with that quarterback. Is I don't think you have a guy in Fedoni that's a matchup nightmare at tight end that I don't think has gotten the targets that you'd like to get from him. And then think who's the guy that you think getting the ball in space to is probably the most dangerous in the offense this year? I'm gonna I'm gonna phrase it to you open ended. Mm-hmm. Guy in space you want to get the ball to because he can make something happen with the ball in his hands. I think I, I personally go Ramir Johnson. I think Ramir's there. I. I think I, I don't think I think Grant is your most dynamic, dangerous yeah. zero to sixty home run threat on offense. I agree with that, but we know what's keeping him off the field. It's, sure. it's you don't trust him with the ball in his hands because thus far he's shown himself to be a fumbling liability. Ramir Johnson, I don't quite think you've schemed up ways to get him with the ball in space like you know he can't. Like look at the end of the game. The option pitch that got to him, and he turned the quarter and took off. And then that 40-yard pickup at the end of the game, too, and yes, just that, straight, that. straight downhill. Like Whenever he has the ball in his hands in space, he's dangerous. He's, fast. he's shifty. He's fast. I don't think Nebraska's coaching staff has done a great job scheming him up to get him the ball in space. But, again, that could also be your quarterback not making the correct decisions. Well, and, and what you're asking Ramir to do is go short, right? You've seen no wheel routes from him. Well, wind down to Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, a Tuesday, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, the full show or the segments you want to hear. Big thanks to Dr. Rob Zadiska, uh, Doc Talk uh, Sports, him joining us for. Quite a bit of, of hour two. Mitch Sherman, awesome to talk with Mitch in hour one. Reminder to get buckled up. Hands on the wheel, eyes in mind. Straight ahead, the driver has one job. That's to drive a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Programming note, on the road, much of the rest of this week. Thursday, we are down at the single barrel inside the graduate. So I want to see you down there four to six for a live road show. Friday, Hale Varsity on the road up at the Herdat Sports Bar and Grill uh, up there off of La Vista. So we're there Friday and then uh, pre and post game at the single barrel uh, starting at three o'clock on Saturday for your Nebraska Northern Illinois home matchup. So come see us uh, some of those nights or days as uh, we get you through week three, four, eight, nine, twelve, forty. So Deion Sanders on Instagram is ranked as children, favorite to least favorite. <laughs> Pretty good. That's that's a that's a that's a football guy move. It is. It's a de- it's a depth, depth chart. chart. That's exactly what you gotta it is. have a depth chart. Right now, Junior is third on my depth chart behind the German Shepherd and the Labradoodle. Mm. We got to have him work on cleaning this room. Vaughn has a great idea. Chris at AleVarsity.com. Could we take some of that new money that Trev's going to use for stadium expansion and lock Tony White down? Teams will be coming after him. 
uh, after this season, maybe even as head coach. Steve says this season so far, Nebraska has not started the year uh, like the top shelf Woodford Reserve or any other top shelf whiskey. They've gone straight for the Fred Sanford route, the vintage Ripple. Uh, and uh, God love you, Steve, with the Ripple. Uh, Nebraska has some options. They just need to get it in focus offensively. We'll hear from Coach Satterfield tomorrow. Hey. Anxious for that conversation and just to see where things are at. Some of the things he talked about, Kemp and Fedoni happened. At least they were targeted more last game, Elijah. Just don't know where the quarterback situation looks like. Yeah, and, and the thing about that bottom shelf whiskey to start the year is it's not top shelf. You're not going to be drinking it neat. But, hey, if, if you... You need a lot of squirt with it. <laughs> yeah, if, if you as a coach <laughs> or as a, a drinker, sour. the person creating the drink, you can, you can make some adjustments. You can make some additions to that, that whiskey, whether it be a good mixer, what, what, what have you. Just a lot of ice. Water it down a little bit. Whatever you want to do, you can at least make it drinkable and get the job done. Like, mm-hmm. like is it going to be as enjoyable going down as, say... Woodford Reserve, whatever top-of-the-line whiskey, definitely not. No, but you can at least make it drinkable, and it still is going to get you there. Nebraska needs their version of Vic in Denver to bring them some Templeton rye. <laughs> that's that's what needs to happen. David says it's a rebuild, but people don't want to hear it. You've got 55 freshmen, 11 seniors, 71 who never played a down yet for Nebraska before the season started. Uh, some of your freshmen have been really, really talented. Well, uh, it, Lenhart was fun to watch and he was able to explain a little bit to uh, about his mindset coming in from IMG and how many of the guys that are on the field right now are the guys that were here over the past couple of seasons at least half your offense at least half your defense uh I'm not gonna have time to quickly do the math in my head but I think it's eight guys offensively Mm -hmm. and I think it's eight defensively as well so you've got some holdover you've got a lot of pieces though that that haven't quite done enough to see the field just yet talk to you at four thanks for spending time with hail varsity presented by currency a huda media production